Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. All right. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to the very first service of 2018 here at Adventure Church. We welcome all of you, especially those of you who are guests and here for the first time. Welcome and hope you have a wonderful experience today. I also want to welcome those of you who join us online wherever you're at. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we're starting a new series today called Mixed Emojis. We're going to talk about the things, emotions, that often how that control us and how do we control them before they can control us. Because emotions are very powerful things. They're not wrong. It's really what we do with them that can either kind of make us or break us in our lives. So today we're going to look at how to kind of handle our emotions, what we need to do to kind of get a hold of them so they don't get a hold of us. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at specific emotions that that we all struggle with at one time uh, in our lives and how we can kind of overcome them through the word of God. Well, emotions are powerful. Do you agree with me? Powerful things, right? They can make us say or do things we never thought we'd do or maybe post something that we never thought we would post. How many of you have ever like read someone's Facebook status or Instagram and felt like you needed to kind of like take a shower after you read their spew, you know, and you're like, what is going on? And, you know, maybe you've posted something and in anger or in haste and then you go, I shouldn't have said that and you go back and delete it. You know, but how many of you know there's certain situations in life that once you react to your emotions, there's no delete button. There's no going back and erasing what you've done. And so it's important that we figure out how to handle our emotions. They actually say that in, the, in, your, in your life, in, as far as being successful in relationships and in your career, that your emotional intelligence is greater than your actual intelligence, your IQ. Your EQ is greater than your IQ. And so you have to learn how to manage your emotions, and if you do, you can be really successful. Because emotions are powerful, but also emotions are real. They're very real, especially when you're feeling something in a moment. It's not to say that what you're feeling is wrong, but it's how we respond to it, again, that makes the difference. Some of you are emotional people. Some of you are married to emotional people, right? Or you, you definitely have someone in your family that fits this category of constantly seeing them respond to the emotions. In our house, Riley is the emotionally charged person. She takes emotion to a level that I've never experienced before. The child is extremely dramatic, you know what I mean? Like paper cut in in her finger has fallen off in her mind, you know what I mean? And it's just dramatic and she's very strong-willed and stubborn and determined, and she is just very emotional. She can get upset easily. Uh, And and so I've been living in this world, raising this little girl who's now seven, who is really, really emotional. And her emotions are very real to her. They're very real to you. But just because your emotions are real doesn't mean they're reliable. Doesn't mean that they're going to take you where you want to go. And if we find ourselves responding to our unreliable emotions, I promise you they're going to cause problems in your life. They're going to lead you to places that you don't want to go. God designed your emotions. It's what you are. It's part of who you are. But he designed them to be gauges, not guides. 
They're indicators of something that's going on. They're there to inform us and to, to show us what's going on so we can react in the right way. And if we allow our emotions to dictate our lives, though, we're going to end up in trouble. You see, the problem is, is because emotions are powerful, because they are real, that emotions feel like imperatives. And when I say what I mean by that is that you must do something about what you're feeling, right? So you get, you feel betrayed and someone does something wrong to you and you feel like it's your responsibility to react to that betrayal, to defend yourself, to, to go back against them, to get revenge. You're angry because of what happens and so you, you kind of lash out and attack at someone else. And maybe it's, a lust and this, this desire that you have and you find yourself continually acting on this passion that's not there, that shouldn't be there. Maybe you're, it's fear and it's not that you're really reacting, it's that you're not doing anything at all because you're afraid of what could happen. You see, emotions, because they're powerful, because they're real, feel like imperatives that we must do this, but they're not imperatives, they're simply indicators. They're to indicate a problem, to indicate what's going on so that you can respond the right way. They're telling us something that's going on inside of us that needs our attention. So today we're going to talk about how to get a handle on our emotions. It's going to get real. I'm going to probably push your button. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get real. But don't worry, he's talking to you, not me. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to that person next to you. It's not a big deal. Paul addresses our emotions in Colossians chapter 3 and begins to kind of discuss how we're to handle them. He says this. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. He's saying, so if you are a Christ follower, and maybe today you're here and you haven't really surrendered your life to Christ, but, but if you're here and he's saying you've been raised to new life with Christ, he says, set your heart, you set your heart on things above, your emotion, your passion, set it on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. So he says, set your heart, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he's saying you have to choose to think on different things. you got to choose to kind of rise above what you're feeling and the situation you're in and set your mind and your heart on Jesus in the truth of his word. He goes on in verse 5, he says, so put to death. Ugh, man, I don't like when the Bible says that because that means death. Like, like I got to die to something, that you have to die to something. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, the old you. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. He says you've got to put that stuff to death. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself. So he says put to death, rid yourself. You choose to get rid of all these such things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Put to death. Rid yourselves. But if you're like me, I read something like this and I go, well, I get that. But God, you know me, you created me, and you know that certain things, it's just the way I am. It's just how I am. I'd love to change it, God. I'd love to get rid of that, but, but you created me that way. It's just the way I am. 
my dad's that way. I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my mom. This, this type of attitude, this type of response, this type of uh, you know, behavior, that's just my family. That's how we've always been. That's how we'll always be. It's just the way that I am. In fact, my daughter, uh, like I said, she's emotionally charged and she's you know, strong-willed and determined. And, and it's a good thing. You know, there's certain tasks that she puts that energy and emotion to that are very beneficial, like gymnastics. She loves that. And so she puts a lot of energy. She gets really good at what she sets out to do. So we're trying to figure out how to channel that emotion to the right place so that it is productive in her life. But there's times where those emotions get her in trouble. And it's usually right about bedtime. And when it's time for to, to, to read the Bible and pray together as a family, for whatever reason, she can't seem to sit still. She can't seem to listen the way that she's supposed to and to do what she's supposed to do. So one night it just got really out of control and we had to kind of discipline her and, you know, I don't even know what we did, but she was upset about it. So we put her in bed and I come into her room and she's in her bed and, and, and she's crying, you know sobbing kind of under her pillow and her blanket and I said I said what are you crying for I said if anyone should be crying it's me what you just put us through for the last 20 minutes just trying to get you to pray I want to go in my bed and curl up under the blanket and cry why are you crying Riley I wasn't that harsh with her but I said what 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 are you crying about and she said well daddy I really want to listen but I just can't I can't listen. I try to listen, and I just can't do it. No matter how hard I try to listen, I just can't listen and obey you. I said, Riley, listen to me. Listening is a choice. You have to make a choice to listen. It's not just the way you are. Yes, you are wired. You are emotional. And for you, it's going to take more discipline. And more intentionality to listen and obey. But it is a choice that you have to make. It's a choice to listen. And essentially, that's what Paul is saying to us. You can try to excuse your sin and excuse your behavior and excuse your response to people and excuse your emotions and just chalk it up to just the way I am. I like the change, but I just can't do it. Paul says, no, no, no. That's not the way it is. He goes on in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly beloved, clothe yourself. Get dressed yourself. Don't expect God to clothe you with compassion. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We're going to talk about bitterness and unforgiveness in this series. And over all these, he says, put on love. You, put it on, which binds us all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So Paul's saying, you have to choose to respond the right way to your emotion, how you're feeling. There's a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and it's by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. I would suggest reading it. It's a great book and really practical. And today I'm going to share a little bit from this book with you, and I believe it backs up and, and scientifically supports the scripture that we're diving into today. 
But in the book, it says this. It says, the communication between your emotional and rational brains is the physical source of emotional intelligence, how you can learn to handle your emotions. The pathway for emotional intelligence starts in the brain at the spinal cord. Your primary senses enter here and must travel to the front of your brain before you can think rationally about your experience. However, they first travel through the limbic system, the place where emotions are generated. So we have an emotional reaction to events before our rational mind is able to engage. Emotional intelligence, learning how to handle your emotions, requires effective communication between the rational and emotional centers of the brain. For my visual learners today, we have a picture of this. So the, your, the, the emotions enter, then they pass through the limbic system of where you feel, you react to it, and so before you can rationally think about it, emotion, you're going to have the emotion. Are you guys following me a little bit? I know it's a little scientific, but so, so the deal is, is what he's saying is simply this. You have no control over what you feel. That's just kind of who you are. That's how you feel about something. You can't do anything about the feeling, about what you initially feel, but you do control the thoughts that follow an emotion. That, that you have a great deal of say in how you react to an emotion as long as you are aware of it. I like how Charles Swindoll says it. He says it like this. Life is 10% what happens to me, 90% how I react to it. 10% of your life, your feelings, how you feel in a certain situation, there's like no control over it. You can't help that. So if someone says, you shouldn't feel that way, you can go, I can't help that. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about this situation. You can't help how you feel, but you do control how you respond to it. But if we stop with, I can't help how I feel, it's just the way I am, because this really helped me, because I'm like so logical, like unattached from my emotions. I'm very logical, so I process things very logically. And so when I'm around hyper-emotional people, I'm like, can't you just think about this logically? Like, detach from your emotion for a second. Think about this logically. And what this is saying is, is that at first you can't do that. That has to pass through. You have to feel what you feel. But once it gets to the front of your brain, to the rational part of your brain, that's where your choice comes in. Your response to what you feel is all on you. And you have to choose to respond the right way. But if we continue to always excuse it for just who I am, how I'm wired, then you'll never be able to eliminate it. And you have to control your emotions or they'll control you. He goes on in the book. He says, so how, what, what do you need to do? He says, the first thing is you need to have some self-awareness. You need to, to have the ability to, to accurately perceive your emotions, to stay aware of them as they happen, to really know yourself as you really are. You know you, right? You know how you respond. You know how you're wired. You know how certain things make you feel. You know what triggers you. And so you need to be aware of that. And then it says, then you need to move on to self-management. So you have self-awareness of who you are. Self-management is what happens when you act or do not act. Self-management is your ability to use your awareness of your emotions to stay flexible and to direct your behavior appropriately and positively. So it's on you. So science is backing up what Paul's saying. Look, you got to set your mind on the right things. you got to set your heart on the right things. You have to choose to clothe yourself 
with love. You have to choose to, to rise above your emotions. You have to choose to rid yourself of the things that cause you to react the wrong way. You have to make a choice to own your part of it. You must deal with how you feel. I'm going to talk to you three quick things of how to deal with how you feel, how to deal with your emotions, how to get a hold of them so they don't get a hold of you. The first one is this, name it. When it comes to how you feel, to your emotions, you have to name it. If you don't identify the problem, you can't find the solution. So if you're not in touch with your emotions, you need to figure out how to get in touch with your emotions. I know all my men are like, telling me to get in touch with my emotions. You know what I mean? Like, all touchy-feely stuff. No. Like, it's just being aware of what you're feeling. Why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. To get to the root of the problem, not just the symptom. You see, because a lot of people, we see the symptoms of, of an emotion that's never been dealt with. Maybe it's been for years. Maybe you faced some, some tough stuff as a kid and went through a, a trying time in your family. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you had a rough you know, go in high school and college and your career. Maybe there's all these things that have kind of happened to you and you've never dealt with the root of the emotion. And so the people around you in your life is subject to the symptoms of something you've never dealt with. It's been years since you've had that interaction with that person, but still... What they did to you is dictating how you're treating other people. Maybe it's you come home from work and you're so upset and so angry about what's happening and those things get taken out on your kids. It's not your kids that's the problem that's making you feel that way. There's something else that's making you feel that way. So you have to name what it is that's making you feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? What are the triggers that cause me to feel this way so that I can address them? So you've got to... Name it. Identify it. What is the problem so you can find a solution? So the first thing is to deal with how you feel as you name it. Second thing is, is then you challenge it. You challenge that feeling. You challenge that emotion. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, We demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, the truth of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so what you're doing is, is going, is this feeling true? Is what I'm feeling accurate? Is it really this bad? Do they really feel that way about me? Are they really attacking me personally? Why am I feeling this way? I need to challenge that and make sure that it aligns itself with the truth of God's word. You take that thought, you take that emotion, and you go, is this true? Is this reliable? Is this really what's going on? You challenge it. Sometimes that means you got to get away to pray. You got to talk to God about it. You got to get in His Word. Some of you feel like, you know, maybe you're not good enough, or maybe you'll never live up to the standard that, that you have for yourself or your parents had for you, or you'll never be the spouse you want to be. You'll never be a good mom. You'll never be a good dad. And you feel all these things, and the enemy attacks you with all these lies, and you've bought into it, and you've held on to it, and you're holding on to that feeling, and that feeling is false. It's not true. It's not real. And so you have to take it captive and take that feeling and go, when I open the word of God, is how I'm feeling accurately described and true according to God's word? And I can tell you right now, if you're feeling that way, beat up, ashamed, guilty, condemned for who you are and what you're struggling with, I can tell you that's not from God. 
I can tell you that's an attack of the enemy. I can tell you that you're more than a conqueror of your own feelings, not because of you, but because of Christ in you. I can tell you that you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. You see, this is the truth of God's word. And Paul says you've got to take every feeling and grab it, and you've got to put it down to the truth of God's word, compare it to the truth. And if it doesn't align with God's word, you can go, this isn't true. I shouldn't be feeling this way. This is inaccurate. I can't allow this to dictate my life. I can't allow this to dictate how I'm going to respond to people and how I treat people because this is not true when it comes to the word of God. You've got to challenge that emotion. David says this. He says in Psalm 26.2, he asked God to challenge and evaluate his emotion. He says, Lord, put me on trial. Think about that. That you're up on the witness stand. He says, put me on trial. He says, cross-examine me. And test my motives. Test my heart. Is this real? Is this true, right? I don't know about you, but I don't usually pray that prayer. I'm just being honest. I usually go, God, you know that what I feel is right. You know that they're an idiot. And I just can't help. You know, I can fix a lot of things, God, but I can't fix stupid, okay? So, So I don't know what you want me to do in this situation. I can't help this. I can't help that. God, change them. Change them. Change them, right? That's my prayer. Change them, and then I wouldn't feel this way. Change them, then I wouldn't respond this way. If they would just change, then we would be good. And David says, no, no, no. He says, your prayer should be, God, put me on trial. Cross-examine me. Pull back the layers of my life and my issues and get to the root of the problem so that we can find a solution. I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to see if it's true. And maybe for some of you, you just need to talk to someone else about it too. Get someone else's perspective. That helps me a lot. And I'll explain a situation to someone. I mean, I'm really feeling this, and I'm not sure if it's right. Give me your point of view. What would you think? How would you handle this? Get godly advice from other people. Challenge it. So you got to name it. you got to challenge it. And then to deal with how you feel, then you got to change it. Then you got to make a change. You have to master your mood. Only you can master your mood. I can't do anything about your mood. I can't do anything about your attitude. I can't do anything about how you're reacting. That's what Paul says. He goes, it it comes back to you. You making a choice to respond the right way. But I don't know about you. I want to respond right. I want to change. But I often struggle with with really seeing it happen in my life. Of overcoming those things. So you got to ask the question, well, how do I do that? And it's the easiest and hardest thing in the world to do. Here's what it is. Zechariah 4.6. It's not by force. Nor by strength. That's what I try to do. I try to force it. I try to force the change in my heart. I try to force the behavior to change. I think I have enough strength. I have enough willpower. Emotion. To do it on my own. Zechariah says no. You got it wrong. It's not by those things. But it's by my spirit says the Lord of heaven's armies. You see, you can't change an emotion by willpower, only by the Spirit of God. It's the hardest thing, the easiest thing, and the hardest thing to do. And it's simply this. How do you allow the Spirit to change you? You just got to give Him permission. You have to invite the Spirit to take control And give him permission to lead your life. So that means 
really, if we get practical, it's like this. Every day, you wake up and you ask the Spirit of God. You go, Spirit of God, fill me. God, fill me with your Spirit. May your Spirit be what flows out of my life and not my flesh and not my feelings. Spirit of God, fill me. The only way you can get that is by spending time in his presence. Spending time with Jesus. Getting in his word. Listening to worship music. Praying, connecting with him. Listen, you are who you hang with. If you want to be more like Jesus, spend more time with Jesus. We talked about that in our Church on the Go message. You're going to eventually become who you put yourself around. And so if you want to begin to see the change, you want to begin to see the Spirit of God leading your life, you need to spend time in his presence. So you say, Jesus, fill me, and then you surrender to the Spirit. That means you yield to him. That means when he prompts you to do something, you do what he's leading you to do. And I promise you, if you give him permission, you say, God, fill me, and then you allow him to lead you, he will do it. But you have to yield to it. That's the hard part. That's where Paul says the choice comes in. Because he'll tell you what to do, right? You'll get in a fight and you'll go, I know I just need to back down. I know I just need to keep my mouth shut. You'll know it. He'll tell you. Just be quiet. Sit down. And you'll be like, forget you. I want to be right. I want to win. Right? You know what you need to do, Paul's saying. So you say, Jesus, every day I ask you, fill me, lead me. Fill me, lead me. I surrender to you. I submit to you. I hear you, Holy Spirit. I will do what you tell me to do. Fill me, lead me. Fill me, lead me. Every day, you start your day like that. In the middle of the day, you do the same thing. Oh, Jesus, fill me. Spirit of God, fill me. I can't go into this meeting in my own right now because I'm going to react how I shouldn't. Oh, God, fill me up. Lead me. Help me to yield to you. Help me to surrender to your spirit. Galatians 5.22, Paul was talking about the Holy Spirit and people who surrender to the Spirit. He says, so the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So self-control is not on you. It says that self-control, listen, these are all fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of you. What that means is, is you can't produce this by yourself. You can't love the way. You won't have joy. You won't be patient. You won't have kindness. You won't be good to other people. You won't be faithful to what God's calling you to do. You won't be gentle with people. And you'll have no self-control. You will be dictated by your feelings and by your flesh if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. These are fruits of the Spirit that you cannot get anywhere else except from Him. So Paul says, let The Holy Spirit guide your lives. Verse 16, if you rewind just a couple verses. Let the Holy Spirit, then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. Your choice to either surrender and yield to the Spirit or to keep doing your own thing. You see, our emotions aren't meant to be controlled. They're meant to be surrendered 
and submitted to the Spirit of God. It's not more of your strength. It's more of God's Spirit. It's not more self-control. It's more Jesus. This year, 2018, the game changer will be for you when it comes to emotions, when it really comes to seeing victory in any area of your life, is that you make this prayer your prayer. That you sincerely approach God every day and you say, God, fill me. God, lead me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And God, lead me by your spirit. The band's going to come. We're going to close out. And as Paul said, so I say. He tells you all the benefits of the spirit. And he says, so, so I tell you. You got to let them lead. Give up. Surrender. You can't do it on your own. So quit trying. Get in his presence. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to lead you. If you do that, he says, you won't do then what your sinful nature craves. You won't respond the wrong way. You will control your emotions. You will handle them because you have the strength of the Spirit of God in you. And with him, you can do anything. But maybe you're here today and you're saying, yeah, the emotions have been getting the best of me. And right now, they've got a hold of me. My emotions, how I'm feeling, the situation I'm in, I'm fearful, I have anxiety, I'm worried, I'm trying to control things, I'm bitter, I got unforgiveness, I'm angry, and they got a hold of me, and they're dictating my life. I'm reacting and responding to people the way I shouldn't, I'm taking it out on people that I shouldn't, it's affecting me at work, they got a hold on me. How do I get a hold of them? You see, I've been talking a lot about Riley today, but she's really strong. She loves gymnastics. I mean, it literally, after service, she wasn't even in here. And I get out in the lobby, and she comes up, and she grabs on, and she pulls herself up on me, and she flips around, and, you know, it's just what she does. And there's times, though, where I'll just hold my arms out. I won't grab a hold of her, and she'll just grab a hold of my arms, and I'll hold her as long as I can. And she'll pull up, and, but eventually her strength gives out, and she'll drop. See, and some of you, maybe that's what you've been doing. Like you've been holding on to something, to God, to whatever it is. You're holding on, but you're, you're tired. Your emotions have got a hold of you, and you can't hold it together anymore. You can't keep it together. You feel like you're on the verge of falling, of falling apart. What do you do? Listen, when I grab a hold of right, when she grabs a hold of me, eventually her strength gives out. But if I grab a hold of her, and I hold her, I promise you I'm not letting go. I'll safely put her back down, but there's no way I'm going to let her fall and get hurt because I got a good grip. I got strength that she doesn't have. I have ability that she doesn't have. And so today for some of you, maybe that's what you need to do. You got to quit holding on and just let God hold you. You got to give it to him. You got to release it to him you got to trust it to him. You have to surrender it to him. And you just go, God, I, here I am. Arms wide open. I'm not holding on to nothing. I'm going to let you hold on to me. I'm going to trust you. You see, I was thinking about this, that, that prayer is like this conveyor belt. 
You see, the Bible tells us not to hold on to stuff, but to cast it on Jesus. Not to carry burdens and and fears and emotions. Not to carry it, but to cast it onto Jesus. And that prayer is your conveyor belt to get it to God. Where you pray and you go, God, I give this to you. And the cool thing about a conveyor belt is it only goes one direction. It doesn't go backwards, right? It's not a continual loop. It takes something somewhere and it deposits it. It drops it off. I used to work at Kroger and we had a belt where we would be breaking down pallets of food that needed to go out. And it was just a belt and we would take it and we'd shove it down the line and someone would grab it and take it to where it needed to go. It never came back. And for some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to let go. You need to put whatever it is on the conveyor belt, send it to heaven, send it to Jesus, cast that care upon him and quit carrying it yourself. Quit trying to hold it together and just let Jesus hold it. He says, bring it to me, all your junk. Bring all that stuff. You thought 2017 you were going to leave it behind. Here you are, a weekend in the new year, you're still carrying all that same junk. He says, bring that to me. Deposit, put it on the belt and let it go, and I'll take it. But it takes you being willing to say, God, fill me, lead me. Fill me, lead me. I surrender. I surrender to you, God. I can't keep doing it. I can't keep trying to keep it together myself. I can't control it. God, but you can. Fill me. Lead me. Here I am, God. Take control. Would you stand with me today? We're going to sing this simple song. I've been singing this song all week. That's the beauty of my job. I can say, hey, I want you guys to play this song. You can't do that, but... If you, can, if you have a request for a song, you can send it to we don't care at adventurechurch.tv. But this song is just such a simple song that I believe can be your prayer. The song's called Gracefully Broken. I don't know about you, but that's me. I'm gracefully broken. I'm broken. I'm a mess half the time. But by God's grace, he allows me to, to be broken. But the song just says, God, here I am, arms wide open. I surrender. I surrender. And that's the beauty. You may, I don't feel like I have a lot to offer God. It's hard for me to lift my hands and to trust him because I'm ashamed and I feel guilty and I carry a lot of baggage. I've made a lot of mistakes. Here's the beauty of being gracefully broken is that's just it, that God receives you just as you are, broken ashamed, sinful, fighting issues, dealing with anxiety, battling worry, trying to overcome fear, trying to mend broken relationships, trying to forgive. He says, that's okay. Just come to me like that. I can handle it. I got this. Cast it on me. And I believe if you'll start this year, if you'll start every day with this simple prayer, God, here I am. Gracefully broken thought today would be a little bit better than yesterday, but God, it isn't. It's just what I did. It's just where I'm at. But Lord, here I am, arms wide open. I'm gracefully broken before you. God, I surrender to you. Fill me, lead me. Fill me, lead me. It's by your spirit, God, that I can do what you've called me to do, that I can be who you've called me to be. Fill me, Fill me, lead me. God, here we are, broken before you, 
We surrender to you. We lift our arms to you this morning. And God, we ask that you would fill us, that you would lead us, that you would do what only you can do. We cast our cares upon you today. In Jesus' name.